Hello and welcome, it's Tamara again. Today we are talk about chronic health issues in midlife and what we can do about it from a herbal standpoint. So we talk about typical health issues that arise when we are in our 30s, 40s and 50s and about a class of herbs that are called adaptogens and what, how we can take those adaptogens, what they are and yeah, so let's dig into the weeds. So I'm still totally thrilled because yesterday I was teaching in a course, it's like a 10 module course for women about women's health and I was teaching alongside other amazing herbal teachers that we have here in Portugal, other herbalists and doulas and yeah, very knowledgeable people that were all sharing their wisdom about women's health for the different phases of women's life, everything from birth and pregnancy and birth and uh, menopause and everything so it was super interesting and I had the part about herbs in midlife so exactly the phase let's say after the whole reproductive phase and we have our children and they're growing up and before we enter the kind of perimenopausal Uh, stage of life and menopause so in this phase of life there is of course yeah many health issues arising things that we maybe had before and they're aggravating or suddenly we feel exhausted and fatigued and we feel like we have to recover from the first half of our lives and yeah I guess some of you can relate to this feeling or we have actual diagnosis maybe hypothyroid or an immune autoimmune disease or immune weaknesses like allergies or food intolerances and things like that. So many things can aggravate in this phase because yeah, we have had our share of stress and maybe not the perfect healthy diet and all kinds of factors that accumulate over time and that lead to those issues. So yeah, most parts of this course were more like specifically about women's hormones and our reproductive organs but it's actually not only our reproductive um, parts that distinguish women health-wise uh, women are also more prone to many other diseases for example things like fatigue or migraines or um, fibromyalgia are more common in women than in men yeah many don't know this but or even thyroid problems um, Hashimoto's disease many digestive problems anxiety depression many many of those things are actually more common in women than men so of course we have a special situation here we undergo many changes th throughout our cycle we have hormonal changes throughout our life we have many hormonal changes we are a little bit like the cannery and the coal mine that yeah women are more easily affected it seems by toxicity by stress by many yeah other env environmental factors so yeah it can happen easily that we get to this stage in our lives where we feel a bit depleted um, so yeah I want to kind of present you a little bit the gems of this talk that I gave yesterday it was yeah it was so much fun it was like over 40 women Uh, in the room it was a digital course so it was an online meeting but it was live and yeah we could talk and share and 
I could actually talk to the participants. I gave it in two languages, in Portuguese and English. I had a wonderful translator and it went really well. And in the Q&A session, I could talk directly to the Portuguese group in Portuguese and then switch over to the talking to the English group in English. So yeah, we could share and everybody was really interested and the women were super curious to actually try out what they had learned in the classes and in the course, also in the other modules taught by all the other amazing teachers that were teaching in this course so yeah I think this course really was a great success and yeah I'm really I feel really grateful that I have been invited to this course yeah so yeah I want to tell you a bit about the gems which is actually I mean it's the main thing I live for in herbalism is uh, chronic issues in this stage of our life I mean some of those issues of course can also occur in our 20s or later in our life so the age is not really the point but it is about those chronic health issues that sometimes have a diagnosis. you know sometimes you know yeah I have low thyroid or I have PCOS or I'm in menopause and suffer from hot flashes sometimes you can name it and sometimes you can't sometimes it just why do I have those migraines or why do I feel so fatigued every day after lunch for several hours why can't I sleep and why do I have insomnia so sometimes we have this vague sense that we are not kind of fully healthy not um, yeah we don't have the optimal reserve of energy or we have uh, anxiety that's not really you know medically diagnosed anxiety or depression but we just yeah don't feel well or we have mood swings and our energy is up and down our libido is up and down or sometimes more down than up and our energy the same so yeah it's actually this area where I'm most interested in in uh, in herbalism because I think it's an area where conventional medicine let's say modern medicine cannot really help us much uh, with other than kind of helping a bit to manage the symptoms um, of course we can take stimulants to have more energy and when we can take sed sedatives or sleep pills to be able to sleep but it's not the idea right I mean it's not really treating the underlying issue and other things like allergies or food intolerances modern medicine has absolutely no answer to and cannot really help people uh, other than maybe helping a bit with the symptoms so this is where natural medicine really shines and I think we can yeah we can learn a lot from traditional Chinese medicine from Ayurveda also from Western herbalism from modern phytotherapy there's plenty of studies I mean what I'm telling you here I don't like it to call it alternative medicine because really it's not an alternative to modern medicine not at all because um, natural medicine can do things that modern medicine can't do and the other way around you know if I have a, a serious car accident of course I'm not going, going to call my acupuncturist or my homeopath um, I want to have medical care from a hospital with uh, trained surgeons and anesthesia and and all this so um, of course it's great that we have modern medicine available today and uh, it's doing a lot to save lives and to help our health overall but in this chronic health area yeah there's actually not much much that they can help us with so to treat our chronic health issues we often have to look more into our diet into our lifestyle and there's plenty of herbs and natural treatments that we have available today that are scientifically tested there's plenty of studies I mean you can type anything into PubMed and look up the studies if you type in turmeric or practically almost any other herb 
um, you find plenty of studies and plenty of uh, research about um, herbs and natural treatments. So this is nothing alternative in this sense. Uh, I would say it's our primal and primary medicine that we have used forever since the dawn of time. Since the existence of humans on this planet, we have um, treated our health conditions with herbs and natural medicine. So this is our primary medicine. And in addition to that, today we have what is called modern medicine and um, the two systems, of course, they are complementary. I mean, of course, we need both. So it's not a thing about one thing is better than the other. It's like uh, we are glad that we have both and that we have more and more scientific evidence um, for both of those systems. And so, yeah, let's dig a bit into that. So our goal for our health should be what is, let's say, our human birthright is to sleep soundly, wake up refreshed and have good energy the whole day, no afternoon crash, <laughs> no naps required and that we fall asleep at bedtime immediately, let's say, or easily. So um, if we are not in this optimal state of health and uh, for Ayurveda, there is three, three pillars which would be um, sleep, sex and food and diet so to say so if your sleep is good and you can have an active healthy sexual life if you choose to so i mean it's not required but of course it's a sign of health if you are able to have a healthy normal sexual life and if you have good sleep and a good diet those are the three pillars of health in ayurveda so if we are balanced in those areas and um, yeah and everything is healthy and like it should be then we can consider us healthy and in a good state of health but if this is not the case if we need a nap after each lunch or yeah we're just tired the whole day and then maybe in the evening we can't sleep and we have insomnia so then something is off and yeah we can regulate our our hormonal system our endocrine system and our immune system and uh, our stress response and all those things uh, ideally with herbs and there is one class of herbs that is called adaptogens so we have similar adaptogens is is more like a modern term that has been created a couple of yeah I, I guess decades ago i'm not sure exactly but it's not a very new concept actually in chinese medicine um, those herbs are called uh, tonics or the most close to the term adaptogen would maybe be a kidney yang tonic in traditional Chinese medicine, what would be most like the equivalent to what we call in the modern world, in the Western world, um, an adaptogen. In Ayurveda, they have the so-called Rasayanas. So a Rasayana is kind of a rejuvenative tonic and also from the overall concept, pretty similar to the term adaptogen or to the de definition of adaptogen. So those are all kind of, you know, not exactly the same. I'm not saying a rasayana is always exactly the same as an adaptogen, uh, nor uh, neither is a kidney yang tonic, but those are overlapping definitions, let's say, yeah? So in TCM, it's more the term tonic and all adaptogens we can say are tonics but not all tonics are adaptogens so an adaptogen is maybe a more narrow definition and we are going to come to what that exactly means and what it what an adaptogen actually is so all adaptogens so i'm going to talk about some concrete herbs later and i'm not going to repeat you know with each herb what they do because 
those herbs that are named in adaptogen, they have all of this in common. They give us resistance to physical, emotional and environmental stress. So environmental stress would be like cold, heat or wind, for example, things from the environment. All adaptogens are non-toxic. So yeah, there is no toxic or adverse effects in any way. They all restore the normal physiologic function that has been altered by stress. So if we have been affected by stress, which I think all of us in living in a modern society probably have, we can restore the normal physiologic function with an adaptogen. Adaptogens are also usually amphoteric. So amphoteric means they work in both directions. For example, if you have low blood pressure, then you take an adaptogen and it can help you increase your blood pressure. But that doesn't mean that if you have high blood pressure, that an adaptogen would also increase your blood pressure. But on the contrary, if you have high blood pressure, an adaptogen would also help you to regulate this back to physiological normal blood pressure. So the adaptogen can lower the blood pressure if needed or make it higher. So it can work both ways because it is um, balancing, balancing out those things. So and yeah, the blood pressure is also an, is only an example. So this could be many other things, you know, you could have hypothyroid and you could benefit from a certain um, adaptogen, but you could also be hyperthyroid and you could also benefit maybe from the same adaptogen because it is not necessarily that an adaptogen um, kind of, you know, increases your thyroid function. It balances your thyroid function. It also does not increase your immune function, which would be something that you might not want if you have an autoimmune disease. You do not want to increase uh, uh, immune function necessarily, but you want to balance immune function. So this is what an adaptogen does. So an adaptogen can increase your immunity if you have low immunity, if you have infections uh, very often or let's say a herpes or something like that or cold and flu um, very often then an adaptogen can help your immunity and give you better stronger immunity and in the case of an autoimmune disease which is actually also not exactly you know that your immune system is in overdrive it's commonly described like that but if we look at it um, in a different way, you know, we could say it's more like a misguided immune system. So an adaptogen balances the immune system also if you have an autoimmune disease and your immune system is overly active or it seems it's overly active. As I said, it's more like misguided. It's a mis misguided immune system. So an adaptogen is actually the best way to regulate immune, immune function together with, of course, curing your digestion which would be another subject for another podcast episode or probably several <laughs> i mean digestion is really yeah so at the root of our health issues and problems and so this would be a totally separate protocol and um, of course has to be adapted to the individual person and the individual problem um, yeah to heal the gut and build up the gut flora and yeah treat your constipation or treat your diarrhea in whatever direction you uh, kind of tend to and this would be of course also a very important part of treating the immune system or actually anything also <laughs> the hormones or any other kind of chronic health issues but today yeah we're talking about those adaptogens so what they don't do is treating the digestion this is just what I wanted to say the point I wanted to make so it uh, adaptogens work of course in combination with a carefully 
chosen individualized protocol. So, but adaptogens can be a part of any protocol. Adaptogens can even be given to perfectly healthy people. In fact, that's how they are used in TCM, in traditional Chinese medicine and also in Ayurveda. That, you know, in, for example, in, in Chinese medicine, maybe the most famous adaptogen is ginseng. And ginseng is used, used in a very casual way. You know, they maybe cook with it or make drinks out of it or soups or you know, there are certain liquid preparations and powders and teas and uh, all kinds of different preparations. So it's also used in a culinary way sometimes or, um, yeah, you have it occasionally here and there. It's more an herb like for... Um, people over over 40 let's say 40 45 so it's uh, not taken by younger people that frequently uh, because they don't need it and um, it increases stamina increases libido increases immune function regulates the hormones like all those other adaptogens do so ginseng is a very classical typical adaptogen the only kind of problem let's say with ginseng, ginseng is it's so popular that the price has risen a lot in the last decade so we usually don't use it i don't use it that much in my practice because um, there are other alternatives and herbs that are more economically available that basically do the same as ginseng so they have similar actions they're all in this adaptogen category so we're going to talk basically about some alternatives to ginseng some other adaptogens that help us in the same way as ginseng and that can be taken in the same way as ginseng is taken in china which i said it is a remedy that is or casually used and integrated and taken more like yeah from 40 45 years it is classically more a remedy for men but it can be taken both by men and women and in ayurveda for example we have the situation we have an adaptogen called ashwagandha which is traditionally also more for men but it can be taken by women it is today taken by women i give it a lot also to women so it's no problem but let's say it's the classical adaptogen for men traditionally in ayurveda and men would take this from puberty on a couple of grams every day for the rest of their lives so in taking it in that way uh, of course you don't have maybe necessarily any health problems when you're 15 16 and entering puberty but taking this herb a couple of grams every day uh, prevents the health problems that can arise later on so if you take a couple of grams of ashwagandha every day from puberty on then later in life maybe you won't have the hormonal you know you yeah the, the goal is to not even get to the point to have all the hormonal problems or no, in the case of uh, women, the PMS and the menstrual problems and the menopause problems and the hot flashes and all the, those kinds of things or the fatigue and the chronic health issues. So all of this you would prevent in taking a low dose adaptogen early on throughout your life. The female equivalent of ashwagandha is the herb shatavari, which is more traditionally taken by women, but it also doesn't mean that men can take it. There are some indications also for men, but it is very a very typical specific female hormone balancer. So because of that reason also it is not 100% an adaptogen, though it is very close in its actions. Like let's say for women it does act like an adaptogen, we can say. Uh, adaptogens have more like a very broad general action so they don't focus on one system and so shatavadi has a specific action on the female hormones so that's why I actually can say okay it's not a hundred percent an adaptogen but it's definitely uh, a tonic herb and a rasayana so it is a rejuvenative herb especially for women 
and also as I said the same that goes for ashwagandha goes for shatavari that women in India in Ayurveda would take a couple of grams of shatavari starting from puberty on uh, for the rest of their lives so this is the way to take shatavari or ashwagandha in Ayurveda or of course in our case probably you have not started taking shatavari or ashwagandha Uh, in puberty and now you might have a health problem you might want to treat your PMS or your menopause problems or anything related to your female hormones you would need to take shatavari or ashwagandha in a bit higher dose so a teaspoon or two is probably not going to do much very soon so we usually use high, higher doses so a typical dose that I use with my clients Uh, when they come to me for health advice is uh, maybe about 20 grams of shatavari and also ashwagandha can easily go uh, from 15 grams 20 grams 25 grams so this is more in the yeah in the area of two full heaping tablespoons per day of the powder yeah of shatavari and ashwagandha and they can also both be combined because in ayurveda You know, the, ener the energy, the energetics of a certain herb or food is very important, also of people. You know, we have the doshas in Ayurveda, which is some people tend more to heat, others tend more to dryness or are more cooler or are more heavy or light. So Ayurveda has this system of um, body types, which are the doshas, vata, pitta, kapha. And also herbs and foods, they all have their energy and have, you know, like... Chili is a bit on the hot side and ginger is a bit on the hot side and something like cucumber or a watermelon is more on the cooling side um, or let's say nettles are more on the drying side and licorice is more on the moistening side so every herb has their characteristics uh, hot and warm and cool and dry and light and heavy uh, basically mainly um, and so Ashwagandha is a little bit on the warming side and on the drying side and Shatavari is a bit on the cooling side and on the moistening side. So it's actually pretty, let's say, it's pretty moistening and slightly cooling and Ashwagandha is a bit hot but it is actually just barely on the warming side. I mean it is not hot like a chili or a ginger but in Ayurveda they do not grade the heat you know i mean there's not a 10 uh, yeah a, a 10 out of 10 for chilies and you know in this case ashwagandha would be a five or um, yeah just barely on the warming side let's say so um but ayurveda likes this a lot to give people balanced formulas or to of course tailor the formula the combination of herbs uh, a person is taking to their individual energetic profile so it depends if a person is high pitta or high vata or high kapha which herbs and which combination you would give them but i can say you know if i hear people say oh i can't take ashwagandha because it's a bit heating and i'm a pitta type which would be in the, the more fire type people that have already a lot of heat and i hear oh i can't take ashwagandha because it's a bit heating you know i mean there is probably other things in the daily life that this pitta person is doing that is increasing their fire you know if they eat a lot of chili or ginger this is for sure increasing the heat more or if they are walking outside in the sun or working during Uh, yeah, the, the, the hot hours of the day outside, this is heating them up way more than ashwagandha ever could. So it depends, of course, in the overall balance of things we do, things we eat, um, yeah, things in our lifestyle that also give us more heat or cool us down, including the climate in which we live, including the phase of life that we are in. 
uh, of course an older person tends more to a colder body and a person in the midlife phase like in their 40s tends maybe more to heat because it's a very active more stressful phase of life where we work a lot and do a lot and have lots of responsibilities and lots of work so in this phase a pitta person would tend to more heat even and then a pitta person would gradually cool down going more into the vata phase this was the dog <laughs> going more into the vata phase of life uh, which is our older years uh, in our 60s 70s 80s so it depends i'm what i just want to say remember that i ashwagandha is just slightly on the warming side it's not a very hot herb so it can be taken by pitta types without a problem if you want to balance out a bit the heating effect you could combine it with the shatavari which is more cooling so you can create in the overall herbal formula you can balance out a bit the warming um, characteristics of the ashwagandha um, i just prepare you because you will hear this from Ayurvedic practitioners or overall in the literature um, sometimes this is taken very seriously um, to not give a person of course no, heating herbs that are too heating and all that but I'm just saying ashwagandha is just barely on the warming side it's not a very heating herb but it's interesting to know and uh, to yeah to just have in mind if you create a formula or if you take herbs for yourself like in which context do you give it which other herbs could you mix in for example, Trifala is another formula. Trifala means uh, three fruits. So it's Amla, Haritaki and Bibitaki. And those fruits, they are just in a great synergy among themselves. So they are, the three together are perfectly balanced out energetically. So this formula is completely neutral. It's not warm or cooling or anything. Um, it's not uh, on, on any extreme side because it contains those three fruits and amla would be very beneficial for pitta. Haritaki is very beneficial for vata types and bibitaki would be the herb for kapha. So you can give this tridoshic, they call it, formula to almost anybody. Yeah, And with a mixture of half-half of ashwagandha and shatavari, we also have a very balanced mixtures, mixture that would be suitable for any dosha and any um, type of person and body type. So, yeah, this is ashwagandha. So, ashwagandha is this really true adaptogen. It does all those things that adaptogens do. So, it helps us uh, with stress. It balances our hormones. Um, it, um, yeah, it... Uh, increases yeah, our resistance and increases our stamina so it's overall yeah a true adaptogen that helps us on so many levels um, it has also you know all of those adaptogens they have all of those things that are just said in common like that they yeah, balance our hormones balance our immune system um, our stress response they are low toxicity they are normalizers they have this broad action no? slow acting they are it's not like you take it and you immediately your health is going to change those are herbs meant to be taken over a long time every day so you would take them sometimes for many years or ongoingly or you change those and change the adaptogen but it would be something that you would aim for taking over a longer term um yeah, they increase immune function, stamina, all that. They are mostly roots. This is also interesting. So mostly roots. And um, then each adaptogen has maybe some other additional effect. Let's say 
some adaptogens are a bit more on the, on the stimulating side. So ashwagandha is not on the stimulating side. So you can take it also at night. It also helps actually regulate your sleep cycle, your circadian rhythm. So you can take it at any time of the day. It won't like keep you up or make you awake or stimu stimulated or anything, or energized or anything. But it has the effect if you take it for, let's say, two to three weeks regularly every day in a sufficiently high dose, you feel your energy increase and your stamina. But not from the ashwagandha that you have taken that morning, from the ashwagandha that you have taken the last two to three weeks. So it does balance uh, also, your, it gives you more stamina and energy in the long term. So not immediately after taking it, but in the long term. So this is a characteristic of ashwagandha and for example if we look at an, a different adaptogen let's say eleuthero eleuthero is siberian ginseng it's also called siberian ginseng and this herb yes you do feel a little stimulating effect right after taking it like about half an hour after taking it so you should not take eleuthero let's say after four o'clock in the afternoon or i mean normally you would take a dose in the morning maybe a second dose around lunchtime and maybe if you need it like at two o'clock or three o'clock to get through the afternoon without crashing and needing a nap. So you can space out your doses a bit and take divided doses. Maybe two capsules after waking up, two capsules at 10 o'clock and two with lunch. And maybe this brings you over the day without being fatigued. So there you have a direct effect and a direct stimulation and you would have to regulate the dose so that you just feel enough of a stimulating effect if you need that. If, for example, you have hypothyroid or you have fatigue in a general way, you can treat your fatigue with the eleuthero and you have to take it, yeah, you have to kind of find the dose that it's not too energizing and too stimulating, but it's just the level you need to get through the day. Also, rhodiola, rhodiola rosea is also a little bit on the energizing side. So if you take too much, you could be yeah, a bit over energized, but it is always important to just find the sweet spot. So many of those herbs like eleuthero and rhodiola, you would, you would probably take as an extract in capsules definitely the rhodiola because in any other form like if you cook a tea out of the root pieces it has a very astringent taste it's not so nice the taste of uh, rhodiola it's a bit yeah it's very astringent so it's not a pleasant tea to drink but you could of course make just a decoction out of the root pieces but you can take it as an extract that is available like in capsule form it's very easy to take so um Eleuthero, actually I like very much the taste is tea in tea form. It's also available as extract. I have both here. I take both. Like I cook my tea, my decoction because it's root pieces. So you should boil it for a while and not just make a, a tea like letting it sit for 10 minutes wouldn't be enough. But you have to boil it for let's say 30 to, to 60 minutes. And you just drink this decoction, this tea that you made from the root pieces of Eleuthero. Or you can also buy the extract in capsules, so it's more convenient if you are on the go during the day. And ashwagandha is actually not so much available as an extract, or I do not recommend it. So most um, extracts are basically just the normal ashwagandha mixed with a little bit of an extract. So I don't think you get a high enough dose if you take ashwagandha in capsules. I mean, if you just encapsulate the straight ashwagandha powder, this is just the dried and ground up root, 
and put into capsule, you know, there is half a gram is fitting into a capsule. And I was talking about doses like more in the 20 gram area to really do something for people in midlife who have chronic health issues. So you would need 20 grams, 25 grams, this would be 50 capsules. So yeah, swallowing 50 capsules of ashwagandha is not that easy and it's also very expensive. So with ashwagandha, you really have to learn how to take the powder. And also forget about tinctures of those adaptogens. I do not believe they work as tinctures. In ashwagandha, herbs have never been tinctured. Uh, in Ayurveda, sorry, not in ashwagandha, in Ayurveda, herbs have never been tinctured. So ashwagandha is an Ayurvedic herb. It has not been tinctured before. We have very little experience about extraction or which percentage of alcohol would extract it best. And then, more than that, even if you say, oh yeah, sure, there are people making good tinctures out of ashwagandha, which I'm sure they are available, but in a whole bottle of, let's say, 100 milliliter of tincture in a little bottle, you have about 10 to 20 grams of ashwagandha in there. It's usually a, um, a five to one, like five parts of plant material, no, five plants of alcohol to one part of plant material. So this means 100 grams or 100 milliliters of alcohol, you have about five or 10 grams of the herb in there. So yeah, this is very little or 10, yeah, no, 10, 10 to 20 grams, no, if it would be uh, five, uh, five parts. But this is very little. I was just saying I use 20 grams per day or what is also, I mean, I didn't invent this dose, you know, this comes from traditional Ayurveda. This is what they use in Ayurveda and they use even higher doses. You can easily use 45 grams of ashwagandha every day or 60 grams for a shorter time, you know. Those high doses are more for a couple of months to specifically treat a certain health issue and then you would go over to a maintenance dose. But you can, the 20 gram range, you know, I often use for six months, 12 months or even more if, if needed and then slowly at some point you can reduce it a little bit. I mean, you should basically take the dose that works, you know. If it doesn't work, it's not the, the fault of the ashwagandha but it's probably that you're not taking enough because many people, you know, I talk about ashwagandha and they say, oh yeah, yeah, I'm taking ashwagandha and I ask, how much do we take? yeah one capsule a day so yeah they're basically taking half a gram of ashwagandha per day which is absolutely practically useless so this is not giving you any effect this is not regulating your thyroid or your hormones or your stress response or this is doing so little you know you could have taken a gram or two of ashwagandha from puberty on for the rest of your life and yes this would make a difference because of the time and because you're taking this preventively and over time of course it will give you benefit but a person that is 40 in their 30s or 40s and takes half a gram of ashwagandha i'm sorry but this is not giving you any effect yeah so really we see the effects when we start taking 20 grams 25 grams and after three weeks of taking this it's also not like you swallow the dose of 20 grams and you feel something immediately like half an hour later no it takes three weeks to saturate the body and to kick fully in and this is the time where you start feeling oh wow i do not need a nap anymore after lunch my thyroid hormones are regulated now you know you can literally take a blood test and see what it does to your thyroid hormones and to your other hormone hormones in your body what it does to your immune system you're not getting sick anymore you have way more energy your libido is back like when you were 20 you can sleep better so those are all effects that you are going to see if you take ashwagandha regularly in these more higher doses for many weeks continuously so then you are going to have this effect 
So as I said, we have to take the ashwagandha in powder form. This is how it's available. So you might, might ask, yeah, but does it not lose the potency if we grind the root up into a powder? Usually it's better to have the herbs like as whole as possible, let's say. So root pieces that we could make a tea out of would also be an option. But it is you know some plants they have a higher content in like volatile oils in essential oils if you have black pepper and you grind it and then you just put it in a jar and wait two months and open it it might have lost a lot of the smell so of course freshly ground black pepper has a way more intense smell and if we grind the pepper and then keep it for many weeks then we lose the potency and we lose some active ingredients in the black pepper because it has lots of those aromatic volatile oils that do exactly that they are volatile so they disappear into the air so um, with ashwagandha it's a root and it does not have that many kind of aromatic smelling compounds it has a strong smell so i i guess the of course the fresh root does smell a lot stronger than the powder of course but it's not an option for us ashwagandha grows only in more tropical climates we can grow it in more temperate climates but i doubt this would be the same active ingredients because the plant creates those active ingredients that help us to cope with stress exactly because of the very harsh conditions that they grow in so ashwagandha has to grow in the extreme heat and dryness of india and this is why it helps us also with the same strategies that this plant uses for themselves to be healthy and to survive those extremes extreme climates and this is exactly why it helps us to resist extreme environments like stressful environments um, so I doubt you could grow ashwagandha in temperate clim climates, even if the plant would grow. Uh, it would not develop really big juicy roots that are full of those properties that we want for this healing effect. So it is better to grind the powder and dry it and have the dried up powder. That is how it is traditionally used since thousands of years in Ayurveda. So we know it does work. And you would of course probably just take a little more than if you had the fresh root available and you could eat the fresh root or make a tea out, out of it. Of course you would need probably less than in a powder form. But um, so yeah, this is basically what we do. We take a bit more so that we balance out the properties that we are losing in the in the processing process. Yeah, when the herb is processed. But this is the only form available and the only form. Uh, no, not the only form. Okay, Ayurveda also uses, of course, ashwagandha infused into ghee and herbal wines and other preparations. But they are very secondary. Like the main form of administering herbs in Ayurveda is in powder form. So usually herbs are just dried and powdered. And you are asking now, okay, how do I take this powder? It sounds like a bit dry and a bit difficult to swallow. Yeah, of course, you have to stir it into something. So you could just stir it into water. Like ashwagandha is often given in milk or other kind of nourishing drinks because it combines with the nourishing energy of the ashwagandha. So it's often given in milk. But it can also be just stirred into some oatmeal or a part of your food. Like if you eat like any mushy food, it could be mashed up vegetables or anything that you have on your plate for lunch or dinner or breakfast. You could just separate a bit of the food and mix the powder in. And then you swallow in two bites the, of course, not so great tasting food because yeah, the ashwagandha powder is a little bit bitter. So uh, I wouldn't mix it like in your whole plate of food because you want to enjoy your food and the flavors. So just separate a little bit of your oatmeal in the morning, 
mix the ashwagandha in or a little bit of yogurt or something and take the ashwagandha mixed into the yogurt for example so this would be a form to take it so you have to really learn to take those powders in powder form and a bit more so don't come with capsules and like one capsule a day as i said this is not going to work the dose is way too low so other herbs like i mentioned eleuthero or rhodiola they have better extracts available i think overall you can take eleutheron and rhodiola in an extract in capsule form and you also have to see the dose you know you have to find out your dose there is no way uh, you know i could tell you uh, yeah take two capsules and that's the dose of rhodiola because every brand of rhodiola capsules for example um, produces those extracts in a different way you know sometimes they are um, at 10 to 1 or Uh, different concentrations you know that 10 parts of the root are reduced to one gram you know, like potentized 10 times let's say you know, that would mean in, in, in that case um, so and still you know the extracts are all produced in different ways sometimes they are standardized you know to rosavines or some other active in the case of rhodiola no, it would be the rosavines or the um, yeah there's another <coughs> another active ingredient but you know those plants have not only one or two active ingredients they of course have many ingredients and i always recommend you have kind of the full spectrum extract where you really you get everything from rhodiola and not just um, something that they take out so those extracts are all differently made sometimes they really just take out the fiber to reduce the plant to make it easier to put it into a capsule sometimes they take out what they believe to be the active ingredient or the main ingredients for example turmeric has uh, curcumin as a supplement so curcumin is just one active ingredient of the turmeric turmeric which is very highly anti-inflammatory but curcumin does not have other effects that turmeric has for example it's not astringent so it's a different thing to take turmeric and it's a different thing to take only the curcumin which is only one active ingredient but in the case of the luthero and rhodiola maybe i'm not sure most supplements are kind of full spectrum uh, extracts i would hope like for me this would make more sense and it's really just about the convenience of putting this herb into a capsule and then having to swallow less capsules than um yeah like 20 grams of ashwagandha which is a lot no? so and also in the case you know if you make a tea out of the eleuthero root you have to boil up maybe like 10 to 15 grams of eleuthero but yeah it depends so the dose is basically you take it and you have to adjust so rhodiola you take it you take one pill the first day you take two pills the next day and so on until you reach um Uh, the effect of really feeling a bit more energized and noticeably feeling something you know maybe your mood is elevated and you're just more stable in your mood or uh, kind of you, you feel more brightened up and less depressed and less anxious and you have more energy so then you're like oh wow this is the rhodiola that's that's doing that so if you get too energized you just back off by one capsule and that's your dose you know so for example at six capsules maybe you feel oh wow now i'm really almost a bit over energized so maybe tomorrow i take five capsules and i spread them out over the the morning and early afternoon so this is how you would find out the dose with any of those practically with eleuthero or rhodiola at least which are the more energizing um, adaptogens and ashwagandha as i said you feel the effect only after three weeks so you would just have to adjust the dose according to that um, so as i said all of those adaptogens maybe have some differences you know ashwagandha is 
very great to treat anxiety. So there is a certain dose if you go up with the dose that you feel, wow, you can very effectively treat anxiety. And rhodiola, I think, has also a very great effect on mood and depression. It brightens up the mood. And I mean, all of those adaptogens have a stabilizing effect on the mood. But yeah, maybe um, ashwagandha has a bit more specific action for anxiety. And rhodiola is often my first choice if somebody has more depressed or mood swings um, and also a lack of energy. So you can use those herbs also for their kind of specific differences that they have, of course. No? For example, ginseng, like uh, Korean ginseng, Chinese ginseng, the, it has a very great effect on the immune system. It would be something that you can also take if you have a cold and flu coming on. So, I mean, many of those, the, the adaptogens all work on the immune system, but maybe ginseng really can give you this acute boost if you feel the cold and flu coming on. And yeah, so it has very strong effect in, on the on the immune system. Like it acts very fast, let's say, yeah, with the ashwagandha, rhodiola and eleuthero. Maybe it would be better to already take this for a while to really get, your immune system stimulated so this effect builds more up over time and with ginseng you know you could ginseng is very potent you know of ginseng you need more like maybe only five grams or eight grams um, like this would already be a substantial dose so it's a bit more low dose and um, yeah I do this often I have me here my precious uh, white ginseng root powder and I just stir it into water actually I just took it because I was like oh maybe I have a little bit of cold coming on and I feel a bit tired so yeah better take a little dose of uh, ginseng so I have my yeah white ginseng powder very special and expensive but I take it for that occasions and I really like it I stir it into hot water like making a tea out of it but the, the powder completely dissolves in the water and you drink basically the powder just dissolved in, in water and it tastes really good I really like the taste and it's very effective you know now I'm uh, an hour ago I had a little headache and I, I felt like I have flu coming on and now I'm sitting here recording the podcast and I feel totally fine I mean it's really amazing how fast it works and um, yeah so now I revealed my little secret <laughs> I just took some ginseng before recording this episode. Yeah, no, adaptogens, I couldn't live without them. You know, I healed my own um, thyroid issues with adaptogens and it's amazing. I have the proof, you know, I can show you my blood results of my uh, thyroid blood levels that I had like four years ago, three years ago, two years ago. It's just getting better and better every year. So it's practically completely healed out and yeah it was mainly the adaptogens and of course as I said you have to always tailor a program a health program to the individual person so usually you also need some digestive support which I also did and some basic supplements you know some omega-3 and vitamin d and magnesium and b vitamins and all that is of course also helpful in those chronic conditions of midlife okay i hope you enjoyed this episode um yeah there would be so much more to talk about and i think i'm going to make a part two and talk about some other amazing adaptogens so today we talked about ginseng ashwagandha shatavari which is almost an adaptogen and rhodiola and eleuthero so i hope you like this episode as i said there are many more other adaptogens that are super exciting and interesting some medicinal mushrooms like reishi and cordyceps and some other that you have maybe never heard the name of from Chinese medicine like Ho Shu Wu is also very interesting adaptogen that I am also taking myself and that I like very much 
and so yeah there's plenty to talk about about how to manage chronic health issues in midlife or in general in any phase of your life i hope you enjoyed this episode and yeah please check out the description of the podcast i'm going to leave a link um, also to my youtube channel you can go to youtube and type in herbal help by tamara so it's herbal help by tamara and you can also check out my website it's herbalhelp.net so it's not herbal health yeah it's herbal help h e l p.net herbalhelp.net is my website sign up for my newsletter so we can stay in touch or yeah check out the youtube videos you can actually see my face while i'm talking and i also i have some videos actually on youtube also where i show you exactly how to take the ashwagandha how the powder looks uh, about the rhodiola about other adaptogens and those supplements i mentioned I have a video about magnesium and vitamin d and how to take it how to take it in the right dose so you find much more helpful information also on my youtube channel and yeah thank you for listening and yeah see you next time ciao